Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hello pod people and welcome back to Classic Ads from Simpler Times. This week after a less than optimal start, where once again I forgot to turn on the voice recorder, we eventually get off the beaten track and look at the first ad from a Japanese advertising agency to ever win the Grand Prix at Cannes. Luckily enough, Tones has a bit of experience working in Tokyo and even more luckily, we persuaded his wife Natsuko to put in her 10 yens worth as we look at an ad for the world's most popular cup noodle brand. By the end of this episode, I can pretty much guarantee that you're going to be equipped to hold up your end of any conversation about the difference between ramen and udon, expound knowledgeably on noodle eating technique, and have a great story for cocktail parties about how a 61-year-old man stumbled across a way to create a product that 40 years later sells 25 billion units a year across the globe. Have a listen and find out whether this ad really turned the word hungry into a Japanese version of WhatsApp. Who took Pee Wee on a big adventure and got the gig doing the effects? And how come there are still at least three people around the world who haven't heard of bananas in pyjamas? All this and much, much less as we continue to spectacularly live down to your expectations of what actually constitutes entertainment. So join me, Steve Cook, and my co-host, award-winning advertising creative and TV ad director, Tony Williams, for an impromptu quiz about movie stars and a look at a Japanese TV commercial from 1993 that will either have you shaking your head in bemusement or get your smiley muscles back into tip-top working condition. Either way, we're just glad to have a platform where we're able to share our annoyance at the American ban on all things kangaroo, even as hordes of the hopping bastards attack our pensioners, devastate our petunias, and cause global warming with their outback gas. Oh, and uh, could you give us a review if you've got a minute? Tell very much. Enjoy the listen. Are you recording now? Uh, I've turned it on now. Brilliant. Okay. And that's it. Thank you very much. <laughs> oh, you're getting, not, you're getting bad at this. Live. 1992. Live from Tony Williams's kitchen. The first Chinese McDonald's was The first Chinese. Okay, so we could we do a little life, please? As if it was, we did it the first time. Clap. 1992. 
the, uh, the first Chinese McDonald's opening. The first Chinese At McDonald's. At least I didn't leave it not running for two hours like I did for the one where we not lost running. the... Not running. Okay. What? At least I didn't leave it not running. What was the one that we recorded completely? The Lady Loves Tray. Oh. Mm. Which is... And there's the, there's the quiz, I think, and... I don't know, so, so many. But I've got, anyway. I've got so many things to remember. There's one, yeah, I know. I 1992, know, it's it is announced that the Queen will now pay income tax. Yeah, but what, she decided how much. 1992, there's a fire at Windsor Castle. Oh, there is, and it burnt one of my family's portraits. The BBC you know. reports that nobody gives a fuck. Did they? Did you care? Well, yeah, one of our family portraits that, no... I don't know. Do you reckon? Um, do you reckon? Um, Sorry, whoa, whoa, do you reckon back, my portrait could be in there? My grandfather's the head of the veterinary surgeon. Anyway, that's yeah. Let's don't get bogged down in okay. all, all that. Uh, Frankie Howard and Benny Hill Ooh. both died. Did they really? Oh, awful! Massive no. riots in Los Angeles after four policemen who beat up Rodney King down in South Central are acquitted, even though he was on high PS PSP. <laughs> he wasn't on the PlayStation PCP. It says a lot about America, doesn't it? I mean, there's a, they're actually on video beating the living shit out of that bloke. Well, and that never happened, would just, it? Like, he didn't resist arrest, they don't nothing like learn, that, they? and they got away scot-free. I was shooting in LA about, I think, six months after. That would have been interesting. It was very scary, yeah. Meanwhile, in Australia, mm-hmm. the first Big Day Out music festival is held at the Sydney Showgrounds, mm. headlined by... Oh, I don't know, 19, I don't know, Prodigy, maybe? Uh, I, can, I don't know. I'm trying to think. Hang on. Um, can I have one more guess? Something like that. Uh, Depeche Mode. I don't know. Nirvana. Oh. 1992. Bananas in Pyjamas first aired on the ABC. Are they coming down the stairs? Can you please sing it for us for They're those people who do not pairs. know? There, is, do you think there's anybody on the globe who has not heard of Bananas in Pyjamas? Well, I don't Bananas know. in Pyjamas are coming down the stairs. Yeah. Bananas in Pyjamas are coming down in pairs. Movie buddy. Bananas Okay, good, brilliant. Okay. Uh, 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 chasing teddy bears. I don't know. I think now, I think that's some um, teddy bears picnic. I think you're getting um, crackling noises. Catch yeah. them underwears. Mum and dad don't have any shag and auntie Frank is over. I thought it's more interesting. Skippy the bush kangaroo returned to Australian television. What's that, Skippy? I said, fucking give me some food, man. Get me out of this set. I've been working all night. <laughs> The series was rebooted and called The Adventures of Skippy. Um, the kid in the original had grown up. Well, funny that. To follow in his father's footsteps. What, blow John on the doll? Be a ranger. And have a his beer own, ranger. Is that what to, to be a ranger beer? and to have his own pet kangaroo. Oh. Who he very originally I love named. But I couldn't use a whole one. Skippy. They, um, I've just heard right now, hot news, that the Americans are trying to get a petition together or trying to get a case together to ban the import of kangaroo meat. And so you've got all these, uh, you know, these farmers here. He's going, bloody hell, mate. You know, they're like a plague. They, they don't understand and there's professional killers and all that. And Americans are, no, you're not even allowed to buy any sneakers used with, can- uh, with kangaroo leather. So, yeah, have the Australians up in arms for at least an afternoon, that will. That's a brand issue, isn't it? So overseas, Australia, kangaroos, cute Mm-hmm. National animal. Mm-hmm. I think I suspect the perception is that they are. You know, you have to look really carefully to find a kangaroo. I think we're the only country where you can eat the coat of arms. And the reality is that the country is absolutely yeah. fucking overrun with kangaroos. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's obviously yeah, we see them in national parks and, and what have you. But they are vermin, aren't they? They are. And apparently, yeah. there's more now than I was 20 years ago. There's millions of them, like crocodiles. Not many. Not many uh, things you can say that about. That, I've heard that piece of trivia about being able to eat the entire coat of arms of the country. <laughs> What's on the coat of arms? Kangaroo, emu, emu, kangaroo, emu, emu. Wellington's lovely. Is it? Yeah, it's actually very nice. Uh, for all our Australian, for our Australian listener, the West Coast Eagles became the first non-Victorian 
Australian rules football team to win the AFL Premiership. Go Eagles. And for anybody who listened to our episode about Qantas, Peter Allen died. When? In 1992. Oh, I was going to say after the episode. I went, geez, we didn't get that hard on him. Springing this on you, mm. but I'm going to... That's what Peter Allen said. I'm going to put you through a quiz. Oh, great. Are you going to record it this time? This is a quiz about the top 10 movies of 1992. Okay. You get a point mm-hmm. for naming the star. Mm-hmm or stars mm. of each movie, mm. there are a maximum 27 points on off. If you're going to make a cup of tea, people, now's the time to do it. Yep. Hello, my name's Tony Williams. I'll be answering questions from Steve on movies of the year 1992. Uh, number one movie in 1992, Aladdin. Yeah. Name the star. Uh, Will Smith. Uh, no, Robin Williams. Robin Williams for one point. Why do I think Will Smith? I'm sort of... No, yeah, anyway. Number two, The Bodyguard. Two points on offer here. I will always love you. Whitney Houston. Whitney Houston for one point. And Kevin. Kevin Costner. And the other point, well done. Home Alone 2. Mm. This is a simple one. Yeah. Yeah. Home Alone 2. What? Is the movie. Okay, sorry, what do you want to know? Who's I in want it? to know the two stars of Home Alone 2, please. The, it's the same as the first one. The young boy whose name is, and I can't think, I've seen the one, two, three, four, five. Several times, isn't it? Yeah, the little kid who grew up a, a, a drug addict. Um, oh, I can't remember. Also, Joe Pesci. Joe Pesci. Um, he's in it with. Oh, I can't think of the guy's name. The kid's name. He was Michael Jackson's mate. I'm going to have to push you. Um, well, that's what Michael Jackson said. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Oh, I can't think. Oh, okay, let's go. Macaulay Culkin. Macaulay Culkin. Oh, I, I was just about to call that's it then. Throat, mate. I was just about to call it then. Coming in at number four, Basic Instinct. Oh, Sharon. Sharon, I knew her hairdresser. Sharon, oh, not Sharon Smith, is it? No. Um, whilst I'm thinking about it, a little interesting bit of trivia about Basic Instinct. Like, this was around video rental times. I used to go and rent the tapes. And you get it home. You know that moment in the interview. Sharon Stone, right? When um, she uncrossed her legs and, like, yeah, right? Yeah. When he got to that bit, the video went, from all the people that used to pause it right on that place, the tape was worn out. Like her, um, Sharon Stone is correct for one point. Who was her co-star? Oh, Michael Douglas. Michael Douglas, you are on fire. I love to not like Michael Douglas. I think he's amazing, but I don't like him, but he's brilliant. Okay. Uh, Lethal Weapon 3. <gasps> is this the one in South Africa? I think it might be. I, I, I got to My confess. My Lethal Weapon app. I've never seen any of the Lethal Danny Glover, weapon. Mel Gibson. Danny Glover and Mel Gibson. I'm sure. And there's some, a woman that features in this one. Not Patsy Kenzie or someone like that. Someone, like, someone there was a, there was a sure. female... Okay. Yes, it was. Well, she played well, South African. I remember her accent. It's terrible. We're moving on. Batman oh, Returns. This is a little bit harder mm. in that there's one, two, three, four, four genuine stars in this movie, Batman Returns. Okay. This was not Val, Cl- Val Kilmer? No? No. Nope. Michael, Michael um, Keaton. No. Michael Keaton for Michael one Keaton. point. Um, the uh, Mick Jagger's ex-wife, a long blonde hair. Ah, uh, what's the name now? Um, and also the guy, uh, I love him, he's um, Gary Oldman. He plays a commissioner, does he not? No. Uh, who played the penguin famously? Danny DeVito. Very famous. Nah, nah, well nah, done. Nah, nah. Danny DeVito. Who played Catwoman in this movie? Oh, Michelle Ver- Pfeiffer. Michelle Pfeiffer. And I'm not sure who this guy played, but if you could get his name, I'd, you'd do a really good impersonation of him. No, it's crazy. <laughs> yeah, I was a Batman. 
Returns. <laughs> Christopher Walken. Uh, well done. You know, I knew your father. Okay, I think this is a harder one. One, two, three, four. There are five point, points on offer. Oh, five points on offer. <laughs> yeah. Five points on offer. A few good men. You can't handle the truth. You want Jack, I'll give you Jack. And Tom Cruise. Jack Nicholson and Tom Cruise. Those are the two easy ones. What else? Who oh. else was in that movie? Who else was in it? All the extras and other people. So Tom Cruise had a female co-star. He was who played the lawyer. I can see her face now. She was she no, not different in Tonga. Blonde hair, boy. I can't remember. Uh, no, um, I think I think you're going to drop points on this, mate. Oh, you're nowhere close at the moment. <laughs> no, uh, Demi Moore. Demi Moore. Uh, the other two stars of that movie were Kevin Bacon. Yeah, and Kiefer Sutherland. Yeah, all right. Okay. Interesting. Okay. Coming in at number seven, that classic movie, Sister Act, <gasps> starring... Whoopi Goldberg. Whoopi Goldberg and... Oh, and who's the young girl? Oh, I can't remember. Uh, gonna, um, okay. This guy, well, I'll, give you, I'll give you a clue. This guy's career, like many actors, suffered a serious renaissance after being cast in a Quentin Tarantino movie. He had a bit part in Pulp Fiction. Did he now? Oh, oh, oh not Vin, Vin Rhymes. Vin, Vin, Vince um, Dunner. He played the cleaner in Pulp Fiction. Oh, the, oh, yes, of course. And he was in Smoke and, yes. Uh, Harvey Keitel. Harvey Keitel, thank you. Okay. I can see his face, yeah, of course. Random, coming in at number eight... Bram Stoker's oh fuck Bram, Bram Stoker's. Stoker's Dracula. I'm not sure who else is Dracula. You could have one, two, three, four genuine world class stars in that movie. Name four stars. When I was watching the movie, I actually left the cinema halfway through because I thought it was that bad. Um, Brad Pitt. No. Keanu Reeves. Keanu Reeves for one point. Mm, not Johnny Depp wasn't in it. No. Tom Tom Cruise was he in it? Nope. We actually left. Um, Oh, no, I don't know, because it was so bad. I'm going to have to give up, sorry. No? No. Anthony Hopkins is in it. Oh, I didn't tell you Anthony Hopkins was in it. And Winona Ryder was in it. Right, okay. Well, there you go, I didn't see it. And Gary Oldman was in it. Oh, I do like Gary. You all right, guys? If you're listening. Uh, three points on offer for the final, coming in at number 10, Wayne's World. Wayne's World, Wayne's World, yep. Three points, there were three stars in it. Mike Myers. For one point. Carrera, um, thingy Carrera, the the Hawaiian girl, Tia Carrera. I don't think she counts tones. Why? Okay, both of it did. Right. So Mike, Mike oh, the, um, oh god, I can see his face now. Oh god, I can't think his name. Mike Myers. What? Oh, I don't know. Who was the baddie? Um, the guy from Heart to Heart. He was in it. No, it wasn't. that was I'm thinking about. Um, Mini me. Oh, my, it's all melted into one. <laughs> You're the runaway meat. <laughs> Everybody <laughs> loves the smell of their own brand. <laughs> my child was not in first grade. Exceptional. <laughs> Exceptional. My father was a boulanger and, and my mother French prostitute with wet feet named Chloe. Um, I, oh, God, I don't know. I'm all over the place. I reckon if, they, if these two don't come straight to mind, I don't well, think Mike Myers. I don't think my, the other guy, I can't think of his name now. I know. Um, I don't know. The other guy was Dana Carvey. Dana Carvey, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
And the bad guy, who was the bad guy? The bad guy. Oh. I don't know what this guy uh, It was the, uh, Rob Lowe. Rob Lowe? Yeah, Rob Lowe never go. gets older. Or, that was a great effort. I heard great actors and I thought it was on. Rob Lowe never gets older. 19 out of 27, I think that's a very solid effort. Very solid. I think we're not liking this this time, the, the, this commercial's pick, being as though we're padding it with a lot of um, questions. <laughs> Sorry. 27. Sorry, we'll move on. No, no, that's good. Is from 1992. Oh, is that we wanted to look for something out of Asia. And being as though we choose a lot of ads from the US, Australia, and Europe. The trouble is when you try and um, nail it down to one ad, there isn't really, um, unless I've completely missed something, um, because, you know, um, Hong Kong has their, their awards, the spikes in this, you know, the Asia Ad Fest, the Asia Pacific ones, the different awards, and each of uh, the top ads really represent a region, and they may not be relevant to, to each other. So we had to really pick a region. So we picked Japan. And this is, on top of it, being a, a very unusual ad, it's really rare because it's a Japanese ad that did win, if I'm not wrong, a lot of international gongs. And it's not very often a, um, a Japanese ad can break through because of cultural reasons, language barriers, etc. Um, and they very rarely do, even though they do try hard. I think Japan has one of the highest entrants into Khan every year. Um, I don't know what the ratio is, but so it's um, one of those rare ones that actually won some awards. I know it actually got Khan because I saw the watermark on it when I was watching it. So that is why we picked it. It's um, it's a very interesting ad. It is in advertising folklore. It sits at a crossroads. So previous to this ad, it was largely felt that Asian advertising was a kind of faux Western advertising. Mm. So there were a lot of Western people working in the Asian and particularly the Japanese advertising industry. This was the first campaign ever to win the first Japanese ad campaign ever to win a Grand Prix at Cannes. Right. So it's the first time a Japanese ad agency had won the highest honour. And a lot of advertising creatives working in Japan and Thailand and Malaysia and India and, um, feel that this was the starting point for an advertising industry that they could truly own rather than being mm. an outpost of Western advertising. Interestingly, before this campaign ran, and I'll get you to talk through the ad in a second, the previous campaign that Nishin ran for Cup Noodle in Japan featured Arnold Schwarzenegger. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of celebrities um, that do ads in Japan, and they, they sign um, clauses to, to um, make sure they're never shown outside of Japan. Okay. Before we go on, would you like to take us through the ad? Sure. Here's the ad for your oral pleasure. Stomp on over to our YouTube channel and have a watch, why don't you? We dropped a couple of other ads from the campaign in there as well. The link's exactly where you think it would be. So, interestingly enough, that ad runs for 30 seconds. Yep. Whereas most ads, especially at that time, only run for 15 seconds. So, I was going to ask you, why is the word hungry in English at the end? 
because there are a lot of English words used to look um, horrible word, but cool. You know the people that walk around with diesel T-shirts that have Japanese writing on, and it says, you know, how oh, I've got a fanny or whatever it says on it. Um, actually, my copywriter was wearing one, and it did say, my name's Rosita or something like that. Um, and it, yeah, it was a silly thing to wear to Japan, but it's just because it's um, just the use of the international, you know, and it's a simple word that a lot of people know. Okay, what happens in the ad? Tell us what happens. So in the ad, it's um, it's a very desolate um, desert setting, and this looks like a woolly mammoth, I, I keep thinking, um, sort of struggles into frame. And then it shakes itself like a dog would um, after it's got wet, shakes itself, and off flies thousands of tiny little cavemen. They fly through the air and land on the floor to reveal um, underneath all of them that were hanging onto them. It's basically a rhinoceros kind of um, animal. It goes to walk away, clomp away, um, on the left of frame, and it gives one more swack of its um, tail, and some more people just fall out of a crack in his um, leg. And then they suddenly all stand up again and go chasing after him. And it's hungry. Cup noodle. It's really good. You know what? It, it's probably the basic, most basic ad, if you think about it, that, that there could be. Because, you know, a lot of Japanese ads are very um, enigmatic, very strange. And this is as simple as, you know, whatever. That's what I was going to look up, actually. Every culture has its own phrase for, I'm starving. You know, I could eat a horse. Um, <laughs> oh, drivers are nuns nasty, right? <laughs> different countries, right? I'm Aunt Marvin, right? <laughs> Have different sayings, right? So everyone understands that I could, I mean, you know, I could eat a crotch on a low flying duck. I could, you know, and so they're basically saying, you know, we're really hungry. We're caveman and we, we want to eat it. So they're just desperately hanging on. And this says, you don't go chasing rhinoceros looking animals. Have a cup of noodle instead. And it's shown very large on the screen. Um, and it adds, yeah, they adds a normally 15 seconds because someone worked out once it was cheaper to buy two 15 second slots and one thirty. So, so many times you just see the same ad repeated. So an ad format normally starts with, the sting, the visual sting, like a logo for like two and a half seconds. Then you get an ad of about 12 seconds, eight seconds, and then you get it, the same tag at the end. And then it's repeated again. So it's unusual to see this as a 30 with just one tag at the end. Okay, well, the campaign featured 10 ads, 10 30-second ads. Did it? With a different prehistoric animal in each one. Should we ask a Japanese correspondent? Let me just get on the phone to Tokyo now. Hello. Good to Frank's morning, says, Tokyo. Yeah, that's the song. Good morning, Tokyo. He used to sing. Sorry, that's okay. Your, your microphone is now turned on, so you can yeah. actually be Great. heard. Got in both ears now. Sorry, I'm uh, I'm the only person who hasn't lived in Japan. I've been amused by this ad. It's quite funny. Yes. Do you remember it, Nat? I do. I do. So do I was um, in high school. Um, Steve, tell me more. <laughs> what were you wearing? We're wearing, <laughs> <laughs> we're wearing those little skirts. Yeah, yes. And the Japanese uniform with the mini skirts, yes. Um, uh, I don't know why, but I just do remember I, uh, all this little caveman. And I guess, as you guys said, it's just stood up um, amongst the other regular TV ads. I, I, I wasn't particularly, you know, um, Advertising or um, paying attention to advertising or anything. No, but you were. See? Subliminally. <laughs> but then I do remember. I didn't actually remember the, um, that particular version of it, but there was a lot of um, different versions, and I do remember maybe because it was a 30 seconds. Mm. And then, like Tony said, it's just all other ads are like um, 15, but there's so much information crammed in. But it takes a lot more to win a, a carnival than just a you know an uncluttered ad. What does um, what does it mean to you as you understand it? What's your take on? I mean, the, the cup noodle itself has been there all my life, so everybody knew the product is, I, um, and mm. then it just the 
I think just the image of it, I, I'm pretty sure I thought it was like a Western ad. Okay. Mm. Um, not just because it's hungry, but just the simplicity of it. Or Western the, word, Japanese typography. So the advertising agency was Hakahoda. Sorry. And the creative director was. Sorry, uh, I, I, I can't say. What I've got? Some black. Susumu Miyazaki. Mm-hmm. The copywriter was Tonomi Maeda. The art director was Kuzohiro Suda. The production company was Toho. Kushinsha. 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 Film Corporation. Like the BBC. Hakahodo is one of, I think it's the second, third biggest agency. There's Dentsu, um, Omnicon, and I think it's probably, yeah, but it's, it's a huge Japanese ADK. agency. So ADK. ADK. Hakahodo, ADK, and Dentsu, three largest. Yeah, yeah. So Dentsu's huge. Yeah. The interesting thing <laughs> is, um, to an outsider, okay, this is this is basically an ad for the Japanese equivalent of pot noodle, yeah. which if you put like a Western cultural slant on, like pot noodles are like, ooh, pot noodles is a, um, uh, it's kind of a niche, niche product, right? It's uh, beloved of students. Yeah, students because of the price, right? It's cheap as, yes. as anything. Whereas I get the impression that noodles play a far more important part in the cultural life of Japanese people. Yeah, noodle is, we have uh, this noodle it's ramen uh based on the ramen there's a few different udon and soba and different type of noodle that we eat like a almost everyday life and cup noodle is something that you know maybe the kids in the afternoon just eat it as a snack in between the meals or a salary man just eats it buy it from convenience store and buy it for lunch so yeah the understanding about convenience stores so if you're watching that ad so back from um 50 60 years ago um they didn't have pantries or fridges, you know, uh, post-war. So basically they, they bought what they needed by the day. So that's why there's convenience stores on every corner, basically. So if you saw that, you could literally just walk out of your apartment. You're never more than, what, seven minutes from a, a walk from a convenience store. Go straight to the convenience store, grab one, get the hot water that they have in a, an urn on the side there, and you'd be eating it. So it's like if you want something to eat quick now, it's that sort of um, yeah, instantaneous reward kind of thing. Do you know who invented the cup noodle? I don't know. Oh, no, I'm, I'm waiting to hear you pronounce it. Who did? <laughs> Mr. Cup Noodle. It was invented by Mobofuku Ando. 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 Um, Mr. Ando, who owned the, formed the Nis, Nishin Food Products Company. So Nishin was the first one to, to make Yes. So according to the Financial Times, Mobofuku Ando invented the cup noodle in 1971 at the age of 61. It's a really interesting character. He'd been to jail twice. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. That's why he likes his food all dry and um, yeah. why? He'd been to jail for Noodling. once for black marketeering just after the war. So all right, selling, se- chi- selling yeah. chisel that he shouldn't be. Yeah. And another uh, case of fraud. Mm. Mm-hmm. Very interesting fellow. He apparently, so Nishin were making noodles already. And then yeah. he wanted to sell noodles overseas. So he went to America and tried to explain to the person in the supermarket what you did with noodles, mm. but he couldn't demonstrate it. So he couldn't yeah. demonstrate pouring um, boiling water onto the noodle. So what he so that so apparently that was a light bulb moment and he decided what he needed to do oh. was put dried noodles into a styrofoam cup, mm. put some dried chisel on the top, and then pour hot water on it. What year was this? That was 1971. Yes, styrofoam would be very 1970s, wouldn't it? Like, don't, don't worry about the planet, styrofoam. Yes, and he launched it with beef, chicken, and shrimp flavours. Flavours, mm. the hell of the flavours. And then mm. in 1960, no, I know more about noodles than I really need to know. Yeah. That. In 1976, launched a pork flavour. How many packets 
of cup noodles a year do you think Nishim sells? I would say, I'm going to have a guess. Is, is it 20, I reckon every year, so 20, I probably about this is 380 glo- million. This is a global brand. Oh, okay. About so 380 million. 400 million? No. No money. I have no idea. Oh, 25 billion packets of Actually, cup noodles yeah. a year. I reckon. Yeah, that makes sense. So is it just the, in the cup diet? No, you know, in the, yeah, the cup but noodles. you know, the three minutes noodles. Are... The same thing. Oh, yeah, they're different. But cup noodles where you peel the foil back. Yeah. And a bit of a tip here, if you like to put a raw egg in, let it sit in the boiling water. Ah, uh, my children do oh, that yes. with the dried nazi goring. That was Because a... that's all we feed them. It's inter- interesting talking about the, the influence, like the noodle in Japanese culture. There are now three, not one, not two, but three Nishim Cup noodle museums. Yeah. Oh, really? Um, in fact, have we not been to one? Mm. There's one in Yokohama. Yeah, I'm sure we've been to it. There's, a, there's actually a noodle museum. Uh, there's a yeah, noodle museum. There's one in Yokohama. Sorry, so delay to yeah, Tokyo yeah. here. <laughs> there's, yeah. there's one in Osaka. Yeah. We've well, been to the one in Yokohama. I'm sure. Because uh, you, you think it's a yeah. museum. It's not really. It's just like like a passageway or something like that. I'm oh, sure. But it's, a, it's a place, but it's got... Uh, Whatever the number of the ramen store in in the one place. Apparently, you can invent your own own noodle. You can choose your sauce. And right, right. Mm. That was. Yeah, I might have opened a ramen store once, and they all laughed at me. But there's a lot of information about Momofuku and all. That's interesting. Yeah. Mm. So um, there's one in Yokohama, one in Osaka, and last month a brand new one opened in Hong Kong. Wow. Really. Interesting. But yeah, it's a very famous logo. Knew, yeah. You see, I think, I'm trying to think where you see it on the way over to the airport, I think it's on one or top of the buildings. Just one, it's like a domestic brand that everybody knows. But it's interesting. So basically just, he, 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 what's the word? Um, not dehydrate. Yeah, dehydrate. So basically. And he also invented the method to dry them, to get them in the styrofoam. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's, it's what's the word? They're flash fried, apparently. Is that right? Yeah. Oh, there's nothing healthy about them. Yeah, that's why they taste so good, apparently, because they're fried. Yeah. They're flash fried, and then you add the water, and the, par- the oil partially rehydrates. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the bag of, like, silver bag of goop that you mix in, they are yep. good. That's apparently, they're a bit more, um, they're not quite as bad for you as they originally were. You're not supposed mm-hmm. to li- drink the soup liquid at the bottom, basically. Eat, eat the noodles, but not all the powdery they've, stuff. They've cut down on the MSG and and all the preservatives and things. But now, so. um, I mean, some of the ones you get, I mean, they're developed beyond cup noodle. You get ones with, like, um, a beef um, slices of pork in the top, like real, I think it's real meat. I reckon there's yeah. a whole podcast now. There's a whole podcast opening up about noodles. There's a magazine <laughs> you can buy from, the, like, the, the 7-Eleven on um, noodles. I read something on a blog, Nats, that said that um, you know that end word in the ad where he says hungry? Mm-hmm. Apparently that was the wazap of its time in Japan. Oh, yeah. so everyone started saying, ongli. Ongli. Mm. Does that ring any bells or not? No. I don't know. Is that just rubbish? No, I don't it's know. Maybe, maybe it was, yeah. Because I'm pretty sure everybody have a memory of that, although everybody remembers that ad. And then I was high school, so it was, you know, just pop out from school to have a snack kind of thing after everybody was eating that kind of product. But people knew what the word hungry meant, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because the Japanese version would be much longer, so it's actually but more punchy. I think it's brilliant. Uh, it's, inter- yeah. it's interesting, the intersection between Japan and the West. The ads were produced by a specialist animation house in Los Angeles called the Chiodo Brothers. Now, you actually tend to um, learn that production companies tend to use a lot of people in Hawaii, 
in LA, <laughs> in New York. Not so much the Uruguay, but um, yeah, just because they have to go to these places. We you find that beach. a lot. You find that a lot. The Chiodo brothers had worked on the movies Elf. Oh, yeah. And Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Ooh. And the stop motion for the ad was done by a bloke called Kim Blanchett, who would go on to work on Jurassic Park, mm-hmm. Coraline, Toy Story, and The Nightmare Before Christmas. Nice. Yeah, very nice. I mean, if you're going to do it now, you'd, you'd be able to do it on your desktop, the home system, wouldn't you? So, yeah, so uh, 1992 was really the cusp of the mass take-up of CGI. Mm. So Jurassic Park, which Kim worked on, was really the first movie to use large amounts of CGI. Okay, there's a huge waterload of bollocks alert here. There is a case to be made that 1993's Jurassic Park was the first box office mega hit to use large amounts of CGI. But of course, it was by no means the first film to use it. Movies that had made use of CGI before Spielberg's effort include... Terminator 2, Judgment Day in 1991, Young Sherlock Holmes in 1985, Tron in 1982. And one of the first movies to actually use any CGI at all was the original Star Wars film in 1997, with a Death Star diagram created using the technology. That's not a comprehensive list, but you get the gist. Apologies to any movie buffs still having palpitations at the massive and patently false generalisation previously employed, but let's all rearrange our underwear and move on, shall we? The crowd reproduction. Yes. You know, cloning and stuff like that. Yeah. was it all the time, right? Yeah. Um... But I think it's a great technique. I mean, you watch it again and again and see them rise from the you know the ground. And so historically, the brand Nishim has been involved in some interesting advertising, but most of it was done overseas. Right. So for a very, very, very long time, they had a huge sign in Times Square in New York that you know the district heating scheme in New York. The Manhattan, district heating Manhattan, scheme. No, yeah. You know, where you, you always see New York, you see the steam coming oh, out. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They di- diverted some of the steam oh, wow. to the sign oh, yeah, to make it look yeah. like it was a steaming pot noodle. That's right. They did that. Very clever. It was there for years. And then they had some very deeply embedded product placement in a video game called Final Fantasy. Yeah. Final Fantasy 15. Yeah. Oh, it's gone up. Yeah. It's, I don't know what version it is now. Where one of the characters actually had a cup noodle addiction. Yeah. And they wandered around <laughs> looking for cup noodles. Wow. So, Nish, yes, Nishim were, no, were not strangers to interesting advertising. Yeah. Which is your favourite? Which is your favourite out of the 10? There is, there's a really nice one with a huge kind of flightless bird. Mm. Where they're all chasing the flightless bird, and it runs up to the edge of a cliff, uh, yeah, and, yeah. It, and it opens its legs, and they all run through its legs. Oh my god, you said that was hot when we got I'm, to that part. I'm yeah, that, yeah. Now you say it, I remember it. It is one I'm of those. Re- the um, this is it's either weirdly interesting or not interesting at all. But somebody took the time in the ad that we're discussing to actually sell, sell, sell select a, a, a proper dinosaur. So oh. that's not a made-up dinosaur. Well, yeah, I just got like, it's like I've got a flap of skin falling off the back. It's, it is a Ewin, Ewin Tetherium. I'm not into anything. Which is, an ex, obviously, an extinct, an extinct genus of herbivorous mammal that lived during the Eocene Epoch, 56 to 38 million years ago. Um, There's a lot of words there for you. There are, and, I struggled, and I struggled over every single one of them. Well, if a hacker would have made it, probably is a dinosaur. But I thought it was worth mentioning because I found, I want, and I want, I'm going to talk quite a long time and then I, I, oh, hope, I hope that you will talk then. I found a really interesting paper online written by a person, which I assume is a man called uh, Shunichi Murao from the Strategic Advertising Planning Institute of Japan. Mm-hmm. And he says this, okay. In the West, 
Advertising creative development is based on an advertising strategy, mm-hmm. which is which manifests itself as the creative brief, which means that the targets, the role of the advertising and the core idea are all clearly defined before you start work. As a result, he says, Western advertising is relatively strategic in its characteristic. This is the interesting bit. In Japan, in contrast, advertising development is based on relatively vague guidelines, such as who to say it to, what to say and how to say it. As a result, the core idea is not necessarily clear before you start the work and the execution tends to be emotionally orientated rather than strategically orientated. I'm not really sure what he means by that. Thus, he says, the key characteristics of Japanese advertising are emotional. Japanese creatives tend to ignore formal strategies, where in contrast, Western creatives will not commence creative development without a creative brief. The no brief, no work principle, which we're all very familiar with, um, discuss you, you guys have both worked in Japanese advertising. Is that true? That is very true. Which is, I mean, um, it's the exact antithesis. So, so we know what we, our structure is. The Japanese way of advertising, there is no, there's never such a thing as a campaign. When we talk about and go present an idea which could, you know, work across all different media, all that sort of stuff, not interested. Just here's the TV ad. Um, it doesn't have to look like the one before. It won't look like the next one. Um Never, yeah, never any sort of stretches. So they did start to get this, themselves planners, you know, without naming names, let's just say nearly all of them. Japanese creatives pick the production company before they've even thought of the idea and their production company tend to, they, they use their production company for ideas. Now, I'm not saying all creatives do, of course. And we did an interview with Dentsu once and they denied it even happens. But, you know, the, the creatives will use production companies to come up with an idea. So there, there doesn't need to be a stretch or a brief. It's basically someone in the production company thinking, oh, we could go and shoot in LA for this because I know this location. Let's do an ad where they're giraffe player basketball. Oh, that sounds really good. Um, and that's where you get a lot of the random sort of ideas coming out. The, the emotional um, side of it, what they talk about is... Um, there'll be a bench where everything looks the same. So if you're going to shoot uh, an ad featuring a Japanese um, wife and a mother, she will be very softly spoken, be very dainty, delicate, have very pure white skin. Every shot you do will have beautiful light coming through the kitchen window. And it's incredibly fake when you look at it. But that's the emotional side of it because that's what draws out, you know, the, the emotions uh, from... They don't, they'd never do an ad where it showed some big funny fat bloke drinking beer. It's always like well-known celebrities all with the clean records that aren't the bad guys. And, they, yeah, every single ad they go... Ooh. And that's the that's the comfort bit. That's the emotional bit. They say from the outside, every ad looks the same. Retail, right? Every ad looks tactical. Well, they're going to squeeze a lot of stuff in, right? Because they do have to say certain things, and that's why after, you know, like I said before, that that eight seconds. If you've got a top of the tail, you have to say it very quickly. But it, it, yeah, um, we shot an ad once. We got animals um, to shoot it on a white background, shooting talent, just very flat lit, really nice, and that got, came back. Feedback afterwards, you know, post-research was that it looked very foreign, which is great. And said, can you do the next one like that? Make it look foreign. So that's It's that's interesting that this campaign, 22 years later, Natsuko, you still remember it, first of all. It won at Cannes. Mm. Did it win at Cannes because it looks like a Western ad? No. No, I don't think so. I don't think, they don't even take that into account, right? I mean, if there's translations, when they look at it, you know, foreign films. But it's whatever. a very, I mean, it's a very, if you look at it, it's kind of, Yes, it's very creative. It's very interesting. It's visually interesting. You wait to see what happens at the end, but you kind of go gag, line, pack shot, no, which is about as Western as you get. If it's a Western ad, you'd see one of the little men eating cup noodle. You wouldn't just go straight to a pack shot at the end. You'd never have the pack that big, but you'd, you'd have to show one of the little guys eating it, and there'd be something to show the, the dinosaur laying down to make sure no dinosaurs were hurt in this ad. And So, Nats, is this a Japanese ad? Is it like, can you... 
you would you can't say, oh, it reminds me of other Western ads. Is this a is this an ad designed for for Japanese audiences? I, I guess so. I didn't really think about it. Then. Okay, so the fact um, that you didn't think about it makes you yeah suspect. That but it, it had a, like a Western kind of feel to it, I guess, because it's amongst all those commercials mm. that Tony just described, and then. Well, um, we'll find some links to noodle commercials that are purely Japanese, right? And it's beautiful, right? They, they get the woman sits down, the sun rides, going, oh, no, beautiful. Like, uh, peels up, close up the kettle board, pause it, and then she goes, <laughs> Yeah. Because <laughs> it's. You, when you eat noodles, you suck in air to cool them. That's oh, a very polite okay. thing to do. Completely opposite right? what you do. Yeah. It, oh, gotcha. Yeah, it it is a thing. Sure. So it's okay to make a noise eating your noodles. It is. Yeah. It's the, um, well, some people said it's the uh, showing appreciation. To the chef. This sounds like the whole burping thing, doesn't it? No, no, it's, 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 no, no, it's, 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 it's cultural. It's everywhere, and it's, it's, it's actually easier to eat them. You suck in air to, to call, and you have to really watch yourself when you come back here to to not say. So. I really, some people, a lot of people can't even do it without sloping mm. um, when it's a noodle. Because yeah, you don't chop them up like you know you do with your knife. <laughs> but I find something. It is kind of funny. Yeah. Um, most of the Japanese ads, um, or the more than half, I, I would say, that celebrities are used. So that's the emotional side of it, that the people already know mm. the character, and then the ads are created around that person, like a, um, a lot of actors, actresses, mm. comedians. So everybody... Quentin Tarantino, spoke a bit of Japanese. Yeah, even... Nicholas Cage. Yeah, Brad Pitt and mm. all these people. So the people already know the personality. Yeah. So it doesn't really have to be, you know, sometimes... It doesn't even need a strategy. It's just the mm. dispersion with the product. Um, Literally. Okay, so um, let's let's give it just to make it interesting. Now, husband and wife, I want you to both. To, well, you want us to agree now? I want you to agree yeah. on the scores that you're going to give. Chance to be a fine thing for um, the brand. That's okay. Just so you know, we score the ads on four criteria. Yeah. Marks out of five, and then add it up at the end. So marks out of five, please. Between you have to agree. Whatever you for think the brand. Is, yeah. <laughs> and I knew I married Miss Wright. I just didn't realise her first name was always um, out of five for the brand. So how? What did it do for? The, I think that's got to be. You know what? Sorry, it's got to be five for mm, me. I think so. Mm, okay, I say five. <laughs> five. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you see that to me then? Um, Don't worry. The thing is me. And then the. The next criteria is cast. It's kind of an interesting mm. cast, isn't it? Can't, we can't, a, it's either a zero or a five. Well, no, it? I mean, across cast. all the ideas, it's like, you know, I'm sure each one of those had a talent release and had to pay for it. But it's, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, yeah. There's three of them. What? There's only three people in that ad. Yeah, don't tell the production company that. <laughs> <laughs> the agency think they're all unique and they wanted to pay them this big one of money. But cast, I mean, the people that, you know, could it be a dinosaur, giraffe, whatever? Mm. I don't know, out of, out of five. I have no idea. Thanks, that. She's earning yeah. a fee. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, no, no. Get on the fence. It's hard to say two. Let's call it 2.5. How mm-hmm. about that? Is there any craft in this ad? Yeah. There's a load of craft, isn't there? Mm. Yeah. Which uh, None of which is now available generally, except in an ironic fashion, isn't it? So, you know, Wallace and Gromit has done a stop motion. This was done a stop motion because the only way you could do it. Oh, the the only part of it must have been, obviously, because the real men, they're all CG'd, right? The the real men were CG'd. Real men are CG'd. They were actually shot at full size and then somehow of course. shrunk. I don't know how you did it. 
How did he do it at that time? Really? How did he fit all those men on in the back of the TV, mean? And the big and the big dinosaurs <laughs> shrunk. Mm. And the big plane came down with wings. Oh, okay, cool. Craft. Is there any craft in this ad, Nat? If it's been crafted, if you know, someone spent a lot of time or they just slapped it together and said, all right, no, let's no, have I a pub now. Um, 4.5? I was, was going to say 4.67, but... Mm. 4.5? Yeah. Okay. okay. The last one, considering the ad won um, of the campaign. Yeah, but we don't, let, you know, we don't let that sway us. Okay, creativity. Five. I think it's five. <laughs> yeah. It is very good. Yeah. Actually, no, on craft, I'm going to take the point off because I can't stand the kerning. You know, if you're going to use an English word, then get someone to kern the word. They've used Helvetica bold with like monospace and it's horrible. So I'm sorry, I'm knocking points off for that. Hacker hold on. 16 points out of 20. It put, that puts it roughly in the middle of the pack. Does it? Yeah. It's That's not, bizarre. It's not high, it's not low. But it's in the middle. Did the fourth one really? I think the cast Yeah. I think I think that's you yeah, that's that, ruined it. You gave that five points that's for the brand, pretty patriotic five points for, you. for creativity. 3.5 for craft and 2.5 for the cast. First Japanese had me fucked it. I wonder if, um, in this case, the cast is a, is a kind of, it's a misnomer, isn't it? Because nobody was cast. Yeah, I guess, you know, if there's no one cast, I suppose it must be, can we, um, cast as in, I mean, you get, characters. If, characters. We, if we're worried about the Character. end, uh, the, yes, if we're, so if we're worried about the end production, at the moment, at the moment it's got 16 points, how many points do you think that it should have? Out of 20. Well, yeah, that's, that's good. Is it a 17.5? Is it an 18.9? Is it right up there yeah. with Flat Eric? It's an 18.9. Up there with Tango? And is it one of those ads, really? Is it? 18.9. Yeah. 18.9. Yeah, I think so. Mm. Well, I do. So if you said character rather than cast. Yeah. Because yeah. <coughs> no, you wouldn't vote for Wallace and Robert as a yeah, ca- no, cast. No, it's, I'm, I'm completely with you. Natsuko and Tony Williams, thank you very much for taking part in another episode of Classic Ads from Simpler Times. Thank you, Stephen. Thank you for having me. It's been a joy. Natuko bringing a bit of class to the whole thing, I think. Mm. It certainly... I'm not rude enough. Your presence has levelled off the amount of swearing and Jimmy Savile impressions. Dilly Sprinkles. (laughs) I was just thinking what we should do is get somebody in to come in, somebody else to come in and review your Japanese Levi's ad with Jennifer Love for it. But then I'm worried that... Like in your fragile emotional state, it might just push you over the edge. Like you might have a complete thrombo. I what, mean, if someone you, doesn't be, like my ad. Yeah. <laughs> I'm used to it. I'm married. <laughs> okay, thanks very, thanks very much, everybody. Well, we've got to go on out. Right. Everybody, like all of us in the room. Thanks very much. <laughs> and that's it for this week, pod peeps. Got to say that I think there was a lot of restraint employed in that episode. What with the steadfast avoidance of the use of English as a second language and the swerving of the temptation to scream hungry at every opportunity. Anyway, thanks for listening to Classic Ads from Simpler Times. Subscribe and give us a review if you can be asked. And remember, anyone who says that their wedding day was the best day of their life has obviously never used a vending machine and had two Kit Kats come down at the same time. Ta-ra for now.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. The secret to visibly firmer, summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number one best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil. Clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dull, dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Rich yet never greasy, Andaria Algae Body Oil is formulated with sustainably sourced seaweed to help replenish the skin's moisture barrier and seven nourishing active botanical oils for results you can see and feel all over. The best part? It's signature scent. A blend of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. This all-natural scent is unforgettable. Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com code GLOW.